It was just a couple of songs that I was really like, okay, I think God uh, is wanting to speak to us tonight. So really wonderful to be with all of you. As you heard, my name is Richard. This is my astonishing wife, Cherie. Uh, stand for us. There we go. Isn't she incredible? Um, so we are from Joburg, but yeah, for a couple of months. So yeah, wonderful to be back with our kind of second home, second family, which has been awesome. Last year we were here for like five months, so really got to know a lot of guys. But what uh, Nolan was kind of intimating towards is that we are actually planning to relocate to Malawi at the end of the year, start of next year, to go and lead and plant a church. There, God has called us, and we said, yes, let's go. Jesus, where you want us, that's, that's where we'll go, and we'll do what you want us to do. So we're excited for that. A little bit scared, okay? I'm not going to lie, a little bit scared. Uh, but we've been there, we're excited, the people are awesome, and we're just trusting uh, God to, to lead us in that. But before I really jump into things, I want to ask us a question to get us started, okay? Two questions, actually. You can consult with the person next to you. If you're on your own, you can maybe see if you can find someone. Otherwise, just answer it for yourself in your head. But maybe your spouse or your family or whatever. Okay, here's the two questions. How do you like to show love to others? Okay, how do you like to show love to others? And how do you like to receive love from others? Okay, those are the two questions. How do you like to give love? Okay, and how do you like to receive love? Some of you may be familiar with a book called The Five Love Languages. If some of you are like, I don't know what this guy is talking about, let me give you a little bit of handles. So the five love languages that he's come up with, Dr. Gary Chapman, is words of affirmation. Do you like to receive words of affirmation, people encouraging you? Quality time. Do you just love to spend quality time with your loved ones? Physical touch. Uh, affection, just hugging and touching guys and um, acts of service where people are doing things for you like washing dishes, okay, maybe, or doing the garden or whatever it may be, or receiving gifts is a big one. Some people love to get gifts. Okay, I'm going to just give you a little bit of time. Do you know what it is for you? How do you like to give love? Because sometimes they're not always the same. And how do you like to receive love? Okay. Everyone's kind of looking at me, so I'm, I'm, you guys have got this. You know what's, what it is already. Okay, I'm going to ask one or two people to, to maybe give us an idea. Anyone bold enough to say, hey, this is how I like to, to give love, and this is how I like to receive love, or just one of those two. Anyone want to say? Otherwise, I'm just going to pick on people. Okay, Andrea. Okay, so you like to receive acts of service, and you also like to give acts of service. Okay, so you like a doer. You'll be like, I'm going to wash dishes for you and cook a meal. And, and you like it when people do that for you. Oh, husband's like, no. okay, moving on quickly. Moving on very quickly. <laughs> okay, anybody else? Okay, also doing stuff for people. Words of F. Okay, so kind of showing love is doing things for people. But receiving love is words of affirmation. You like to be encouraged. Okay, awesome. Cool. We're going to jump into things. Before I get even further... I do want to say, I think there's a lot of visitors here tonight. So for anyone who's kind of been brought along, maybe some of us have been dragged to church tonight or whatever it is, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're here tonight, and you may be just looking in, or maybe you just felt, hey, I need to go look and see what's happening on in, or going on in the hall there. Like, I want to let you know right from the outset, you are welcome here. We love the fact that you are here. Um, we want you to be here. Please keep coming back. If you're just looking and say, what is going on? What is this whole thing about Jesus? Like, it's awesome. 
forgive us if we're a little bit weird sometimes, okay? Sometimes we like raise our hands and we're jumping up in the front, falling on the ground or whatever it may be. We may act a bit weird sometimes. Please forgive us. But also the good news is if we're a bit weird, it's okay because you guys can be a bit weird too, okay? So accept our weirdness, we'll accept your weirdness and we'll get along. But uh, welcome, and uh, I do believe you've come on a good night. The message that I have for us, it is a message that is really for, for those who, of us who are followers of Jesus, those who are members of this church and other churches where God is calling us to, to a certain life, to what he's, how he's asking us to follow him. So it's going to be good for you to listen in and say, okay, well, this is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, so that's the message we're going to have. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to John chapter 13 for us. And what I'm going to do is kind of talk us through some of the story of what's happening here. And then I want to really pinpoint some um, key texts out of this passage. Okay, so it's John chapter 13. And uh, we're going to start from the beginning, but I'll identify certain texts. Some of them are going to be up on the screen um, that you can follow along. But otherwise, if you've got your Bibles or your phones, that's great too. I've also got a couple of pictures. So we can put the, the first picture up there, Ethan. Okay, so this is a story that we come to in the Gospels. It's Gospel of John. And Jesus is coming now to have a Passover meal. Okay? He's been walking with the disciples now for three years. And we'll talk a bit more about that later. But he's been going around with the disciples. You see in the picture, I'll explain a bit more of that. They used to have these low tables. So you can see that there. And Yari is with his disciples. And they're having what many of you know as the last supper, the last meal. Okay, it was a Passover meal. And uh, while they're busy having this meal, okay, this is the, remember, the night before he's going to go to the cross and die. And Yari is having this meal with them, and he's coming, in a sense, to give them his last teaching. As you can imagine, he knows the next day he's going to the cross, okay? So this, for him now, is, okay, what is almost the last words I'm going to give to my disciples? And we know that this is going to be an important word, okay? So here he comes, and while he's having this meal, he gets up, and he takes off his outer garments, and he goes and he picks up a bowl of water and he gets a towel and he starts to go around. Some of you will know the story, but he starts to go around and he's going to wash the disciples' feet. And I'll explain what was, what's going on there a little bit later as well. But he's going around to wash the disciples' feet and he comes up to Peter. And Peter's like, no, no, no. Jesus, what are you doing? I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus is like, Peter, just calm down. Uh, I'm going to do this, but you'll understand later why I'm doing it. Peter is still like, no, 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 no. Jesus, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part with me. Okay? Peter then says, okay, if that's the case, then I want you to wash all of me, not just my feet, but my hands and whatever. And Jesus is... <laughs> Peter, just calm down, okay? That's not necessary. I'm just going to wash your feet, and then I'm going to explain. Okay, so this is what's kind of the way it's working out up to that point. Jesus comes. He goes around. He washes all the disciples' feet, and then he sits down, 
or before he does that, he puts his garments back on, kind of puts the, the, the bowl and the towel aside, and now he comes to have the meal. And at the end of this, he goes into some of his teaching. In verse 14, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Okay. Then the meal moves on, and Jesus basically tells them he's going away. But what he means by that, which is predicted already a few times, is he's going to die. Okay? So he tells them, I'm going to die. And then he gives them a command. And this is really what I want to highlight for us this evening, which I feel has already come through in some of the songs we've been singing. And what you must recognize here is this is a command, not a request. Sometimes I think we treat what Jesus says as like requests. And it's kind of like, if you feel like doing this or if you're in a good mood, well, then you can maybe consider what Jesus says. But if we are followers of Jesus, no, these are commands. It's a command from our king. It's what Jesus is saying. Guys, this is what you need to do. If you're saying I'm king of your life, then I'm commanding you to do this. So yeah, he says, a new commandment I give to you. This is from, sorry, verse uh, 34 to 35. Jesus speaking again. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I don't know if you recognize in one of the songs we were singing, it says, show me how to love like you have loved me. And then he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And what I want to really zone in on is this line that Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So the question comes to us at this point, if we are to love like Jesus, how did Jesus love his disciples? Right? Kind of a natural follow-on from what he's saying. How, how did he love his disciples? And this is the question I asked myself as I felt the Lord kind of putting this message in my heart. And as I looked at that, that I mean, there's a lot of ways. But I felt three big, big ways, main ways that I felt Jesus loved his disciples and how he calls us then to love each other. So we're going to go through these. The first one that I want us to see is Jesus stayed with the disciples. Jesus stayed with the disciples. So here we have Jesus. Let's just think about this. Here is Jesus, the king of the universe, the son of God, who, let me get a little bit theological here. He is part of the Trinity. Okay, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus the Son. And they were in perfect unity. There was perfect love between them. There was no need for them to go outside of that. Okay? But they desired a bigger family, basically, to make it very just blunt and, and, and basic. They desired a bigger family. So they created the world, created us as human beings. Obviously, things went really pear-shaped. But then God so loved the world that he, he sent his son. He wanted, that's what it says in John 3, 16. 
He so loved the world that he sent his own son into the world to come and make a way for us to be right with God again. Okay? So yeah, we see Jesus saying, yes, I'll go. <laughs> I'll do it. And so he comes down to earth. And he gets born in a manger. Yeah, is the king of the universe, being born in like a stable with sheep. And he lives his life. He goes through suffering, through trial. And then at 30 years old, he starts his public ministry. And he goes around and he chooses his disciples and other followers come along as well. And he's going around and he's teaching, doing miracles, doing his public ministry. And for three years, he's going around with the disciples. Okay? Three years, they are eating together. They are walking together. Great distances. Can you imagine walking from Amanus to Cape Town? How long do you think that will take you? It will take you a good few days, right? Okay? Depending on how fast you are. These are the distances, some of the distances that Jesus would go with his disciples. When they were going from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem, they would walk these great distances together. So they're spending lots of time out there camping, having bras, all of that stuff. Uh, lack of time together, and here is Jesus. He's ministering with his disciples. He's laughing with them. He's crying with them. They're praying together. They're doing life together, right? They're in the mess. They're in the drudgery of life, just walking. They're having good times. They're having bad times. But they're together. Jesus came and stayed with the disciples. And we see this in the early church as they follow on. And now, as they're starting to live out what it is to love like Jesus. And that's pretty much the message for tonight, is how do we love like Jesus? Because that's the command he's given to us here. Okay, so Acts 2, 42 to 47. I'm just going to highlight a few things out of that. It's quite a well-known passage, especially for those who are in 412 and Josh Jen. But yes, some of the early church, the early disciples living this out, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then we'll jump to verse 44. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Are you picking up some of, some of this? And further on in verse 46 it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. I'm just going to leave out or highlight a few of those things there. But what we can see, hopefully, is here are the disciples doing life together. Now, let me tell you a, a quick story. So I've only come into 412. For those who don't know 412, 412 is kind of the, the larger partnership of churches that this church falls into. There's hundreds of churches all over the world, uh, many all over South Africa. Um, we part of a 412 church up in Johannesburg. And so... When I kind of got introduced to 412 through my beautiful wife, a few years ago I hadn't heard about 412 churches before, but slowly started to get introduced to them. She told me about this thing, and then I heard about it in some of the churches. When you become a member in a church, there's this kind of, it's a funny line, but it's, they mean it quite seriously, okay? And it's, it says this, some of you will know it. What's in my fridge is yours. And what's in your fridge is mine. Okay? And what they're trying to illustrate there is 
guys, we're in this together. We're like family. We're going to do life together. And what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. Okay? That's kind of the picture. When I heard this, I was like, yo, I like the second part. Okay? I really like the second part. What's in your fridge is mine. But the first part, what's in my fridge is yours, mm, I was like, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, and really what was getting to me was like, are we going to do life that close? Are we going to do life where we like, well, let's just be in each other's houses and each other's fridges. I mean, that's like next level, right? But this, I, as I thought about it, I was like, actually, is this not what God calls us to? Is this not what it is to love one another? Is this not what we see played out in the early church when they would give themselves to each other, where they would do life together? And so my question for us and for the church here this evening, for those who are part of Josh Genomanus and maybe other churches that are visiting here tonight, are we committed to doing life together? Are we devoted to it? Like it says, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Devoted. Are we doing life? Are we, you know, we, we see Jesus, how he came, and he left his comfort zone in heaven, right? He didn't have to come down to earth and live this terrible life. But he came down for us. He left his comfort zone. He got out, and he, he came and lived with the disciples. And for us, are we prepared to leave our comfort zones at home? Are we prepared to go into each other's homes, to break bread together? Are we committed to uh, community groups? Are you in a community group? These are important things. This is part of how what Jesus calls us to, to be devoted to the community of faith, our local church and the broader church, going to the conference. That's a, another opportunity for us to go to our bigger family, our extended family, and to say, hey, we want to do life with you. We want to come and visit you in the Isle of Man if, if we have to, uh, whatever it is. And this is the beautiful thing that I've seen in our church, and not just our church, there's other churches, but I really appreciate what I've seen in the 412 churches, where they are, it's intentional. This is one of our values as a church because we see it from Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move on. I could spend hours on these things. Okay, am I coming, am I coming through okay on this mic? That's fine. Okay. The second one. So firstly, Jesus stayed with the disciples. Secondly, Jesus served the disciples. Okay, Jesus served. Here we see uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And, and let's just talk about this for a second. Here is Jesus, again, the king of the universe, the one who was there right from the beginning. He's always been. Uh, he was part of bringing this world into being. Okay, the stars, the galaxies. Continents, mountains, lions, those funny baboons with blue bums. I don't know what that was about. Um, but here is, here is Jesus who is he's the king of everything. Okay? What he's come down to earth for. So here he is. He's come down to earth. He, he goes around, and I'll just list a few things. He's, he's kind of bringing coins out of fish's mouths. Okay? He's, uh, he's in the storm, and he tells the storm to be still, and it's just like, it's gone. Like the waves just stop, the wind stops, okay? He's going around, he's giving new eyes to blind men, 
and he's raising people from the dead. Okay? So yes, Jesus, he deserves the greatest mansion on the planet. He deserves everyone to be coming to him and to be bringing gifts, right? He deserves everyone, including kings and queens, to come and bow down at his feet. And yet Yari is washing peasants' feet, basically. Yari is getting down in the dirt, washing their feet. And you've got to understand in that biblical culture, you know, we don't quite understand it here because we have these tables that are raised, right? But they had these tables that were low. Some of you will know this from other Bible teachings. So what would happen is they would be walking these miles and miles and their feet would get like really dirty because they had sandals on. Now you'd come to the dinner table and you would be actually reclining. You'd be lying down on this, like, by this low table. So somebody else's feet basically could be by your head when you're about to kind of break into a, a piece of unleavened bread. Okay? So that's not so lacquer when you've got like this toe jam that's you know, in your line of sight. Uh, not so cool. So what they would have to do, normally it would be the servant of the house would come and wash their feet. They didn't have to wash their hands and all that stuff because, you know, that normally wasn't too bad or they'd cleaned already. But their feet was really important. But it would be the servant of the house, the lowliest person there that would normally have that job to do. Not a, not a great job, you know, to go and clean out the toe jam from people's feet. But yeah, we see Jesus. And let me, let me read it for us again in verse 14. Jesus said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And so we see the disciples living this out in the early church. And uh, they're going around and they are loving each other serving each other. We see in Acts 2.42 where they said they are breaking bread in their homes. Now, who baked that bread? Right? Sometimes we, don't, we just kind of skip over these, these parts of the scripture. Who baked that bread? Who set the table? Who cleaned up afterwards? Okay? This is when we invite people into our houses. We're breaking bread together. We're doing church together. The guy's setting out the, the, the chairs here setting up the the sound system, all these things. This is serving each other so that we can come and worship God together. We can learn to be like Jesus. We can love each other. And there's, I mean, so many other ways that we are called to serve each other. And this is part of what I love about 412 as well, where I see this in the guys, like at the top, as it were, the the apostolic guys, guys like Andrew Selly and others who, they're not lording it over others, but they're there to serve as well and to love, and they're leading by example in that. But what I want to point out, something I felt especially for tonight, is if we look at John 13, 10 to 11, and, and this is a big one for me, Jesus says, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. 
And for those of us who know the story, he was talking about Judas. The man who he knew already was going to betray him. He had already made an agreement with the religious leaders. And he was about to go now enact that, that betrayal of Jesus. And here was Jesus who knew this. He knew what Judas was about to do. Yari is saying it. Not all of you are clean. And yet here is Jesus washing his feet. Washing the feet of the man who's about to go out and betray him. His dirty, smelly, rotten feet. And he was loving Judas right until the very end. To the last. And so a story that, that I was reminded of with this is there was this young soldier that was in the army now and he went and he was in his barracks and he was sitting at the end of his bed and he was reading his Bible. And one of the older soldiers, uh, one of the kind of senior officer was there and looking at him and he's like, ah, what are you doing? And he took one of his big army boots and he threw it at him and he hit him on his back and he just carried on reading, kind of ignoring him. And then this guy was like, no, man, what are you doing? And he's yelling at him, picked up his second boot, and he threw it, he lobbed it at him, and it smacked him on the back of his head and cut open his ear. And he just left it. And this older soldier just kind of, okay, he said, whatever, this guy's, I'm going to leave him, turned over and went to sleep. The next morning, this older officer, the senior officer, he woke up, and he kind of rubbed his eyes, looked at the end of his bed, and he saw there were his two boots. And he looked at them and he said, Whoa, well, what's going on here? Because they had both been cleaned and polished and left at the end of his bed. And he just thought, What? This is so weird. Like, I was just throwing these boots at that guy last night. And yeah, they are cleaned and polished. And he looked over at the young soldier, and the young soldier just nodded his head and walked out the door. And what that young soldier had done is, even though he had been cut, literally, and hurt, and this guy treated him like dirt. He was a Christian. He was a follower of Jesus, and he chose to love that soldier. He took those boots, he cleaned them, and he polished them, and he gave them back. And this guy was just blown away. He was like, what? What kind of person would do this? And that's just a small picture of what God is calling us to, even in, in a space like this. And in the church, the reason I raise this is because many of us get hurt in the church. Like those soldiers, they're supposed to be on the same team, right? But sometimes we end up hurting each other. We get hurt. We hurt others. And yet, yeah, we have an example of Jesus with Judas, who was to betray him to death. And yet he is serving him. He is loving him. This is what we are called to in the church, to follow Jesus, to love like Jesus. Okay, I'm going to move on. The third one. Is this making some sense? Is this coming across okay? Okay, cool. Okay, the third one. Jesus sacrificed for the disciples. So first, Jesus stayed with the disciples. Jesus served the disciples. And now Jesus sacrificed for the disciples. Jesus could have had a lacquer life, right? Here he is, king of everything, coming down. He could have had a castle somewhere. He could have been born into whatever it is making lots of money, having lots of servants, living in luxury here on earth. And yet, instead, for, for three years of that public ministry, he was going around. He didn't have 
a home. He didn't have a place really to, to lay his head. Sometimes they'd be sleeping out in the open or whatever it is. And he's going around and he's serving others. He's loving others. He's giving of himself. Sometimes it said, like he was tired and thirsty. Or he was hungry. Or he just felt like he had nothing more to give. And yet he carried on giving and loving and serving. And here we come, the day after this meal, Jesus knew. He's washing the disciples' feet. And he's given them this command to love like he has loved them. And he allows himself to be hung on a cross. He allows himself. He could have easily made it different. <laughs> but he got up there willingly so that the disciples could have their sins forgiven. That the disciples could have a way to the Father. He sacrificed his life for them. And in that, he also sacrificed his life for me and for you. He's loved us like that. And we see the early church going out from here and the disciples living this out in the early church. They gave up pursuing wealth. They gave up comfort. They lived these meager lives. They walked many, many miles and spent themselves teaching, healing, giving. And did you know, I'm sure some of you do, that 11 out of the 12 Disciples, apostles actually gave their own lives. They died literally for Jesus and for his kingdom and for those they were serving. And so, yeah, we see the early church doing this. And something I want to just highlight quickly for us that I felt for us this evening, this is something that God was doing in my heart this past week as I was thinking about this, this message. Um, I didn't actually, I forgot to ask you if I can share this, but I'm sure it'll be fine because it's more me. So this was something between us. And I was, uh, so for those who don't know, I'll just mention briefly, Cherie's been struggling with her neck. We're not sure if she's going to have neck surgery or not. And um, we've been checking out the neurosurgeons and all kinds of doctors and all kinds of things, just trying to see what on earth are we going to do with her neck? Is she going to have neck surgery or not? And uh, I've been going with her to doctor's appointments and biokineticists and all kinds of things, trying to figure this out and trying to support her and love her in that. And this past week, as I was praying for her the one morning, I felt God say to me, are you loving her as I've loved you? Are you, are you sacrificing for her? And one of the things was Jesus says, love, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so the question he said to me, are you loving her like you love yourself? And what I realized was, if it was me, if this was my neck that we were struggling with, I would have been on the computer researching, watching videos, doing all kinds of things to try and figure out, like, what do we do with this? I would be phoning doctors and all kinds of things, but I kind of left it to her. She was phoning the doctors and trying to figure it out. And, and God was actually pinpointing for me to say, are you loving her as much as you should, basically? And I had to say no. And I had to repent before the Lord and yesterday morning, I repented before her. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I haven't been loving you as I should have. And so I got down and I said, okay, now I'm going to start really getting into this and loving her as I would if it, as if it was my neck that was on the line. And so that's what we've been doing. But this is, this is the point I'm trying to make. 
uh, or, or one of what I, what I feel to share with us here, even this evening, for especially the husbands here in the room. One of the big things since we've got married, we haven't been married for that long, but since we got married, the, the passage that has stayed with me right from the beginning is where it says in Ephesians 5.25, um, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I've been trying to live up to that. It's a tall order. But even in this, how are we loving our wives, husbands? Are we laying our lives down? Are we sacrificing for them? And for all of us, I want to particularly bring that home for husbands tonight, but for all of us, are we sacrificing for others? Are we loving the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus? This is what it looks like to love like Jesus, right? This is how he's shown us how we are to love. And, wow, it's a tall order to love like Jesus. But that is our goal. He said, I've set you an example to love like me. This is what we need to devote ourselves to. And then I'm just going to finish with this. In verse 35, it says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus wants people to look at our lives. He wants people to look at Josh, Jen, Hermanus and to say, wow, look at the way those people love each other. Look at the way they lay their lives down for each other, the way they serve each other, the way they, they just do life together. They want, Jesus wants people to look at us and to say, wow, those guys, they must know Jesus. They must follow Jesus. Our lives are to point people to Jesus, to the one who is love, the one where all love comes from, the one who stayed with us, who served us, who sacrificed for us. And Jesus is alive. He was resurrected three days later, and he's watching us. And to those of us who have chosen to follow him, Jesus says, love like me. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I believe there's two groups that we have basically here this evening. And the first group is those who, as I said, maybe you, you're not a follower. You haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you've backslidden. And I think of that passage in Acts 2 earlier on when Peter has preached the gospel of Jesus. And people cry out and they say, what must we do to be saved? And they say, repent and be baptized. And so repentance is turning your life around. To believe in Jesus, to surrender our lives to him, and to learn to obey him as our king. This is what we call to do in repentance, to repent and turn to God. And then from following on from that, to be baptized. This is the first act of obedience should or should we surrender our lives to Jesus, is to get baptized, to have that public declaration of our, our choosing to follow Jesus, dying to our old lives, being resurrected out of the water into a new life with him. And baptism is also a welcoming into the family of God. And so if that's you yeah, this, this evening, maybe God is, is pinpointing this on your heart and, 
and asking you the question, are you saved? Have you repented? Have you baptized, been baptized into the family of God? And if God is put, putting that on your heart, I'm going to give you just some time to, to do that, to come and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God, that you are king of the universe. And I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to learn to obey you as my king and Lord of my life. And that's something you do between you and God. And then the second group is the, those of us who have chosen. We have come to that. We've crossed that line of faith. And we are followers of Jesus Christ. And maybe God is convicting some of us here tonight on something. Maybe it's about, are we being devoted to the church? Are we loving that, that person who has hurt us? That's something we're struggling with. But God is saying, I want you to love that person who, is, who has hurt you. Maybe God is wanting us to, to make a commitment to lay our lives down for our spouse or our family member or a friend or even an enemy. And our response is to repent. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I haven't been living up to, to your example, to your standard. Help me. And to obey him, to love like him, to choose to love that person. Or to be more devoted to his church, to, to do life in community, to serve those around us. And so I'm just going to give you just a little bit of time now, just. To, to do that before the Lord in your heart. To bring yourself to Him. And then I'm going to give us time just to res for response, just to finish if there's anyone who wants some prayer. If you need some help, somebody to pray you, th to, to pray you through this. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Or if somebody's hurt you and you need some healing. Or if you need some prayer for... Or what, I don't know, something that, that God is convicting you about. And you want somebody to just help and pray with you about it. And I'm going to ask you to, to come forward for a time of ministry and prayer. Yeah? If you're feeling it, if you're not, that's fine. But also, if you have tonight come to that point of surrendering your life to Jesus, then I'm going to encourage you that first step of obedience is to be baptized. That's what the scripture speaks about. And so to come and speak to Yaku or Nolan, myself, and come and say, I want to make that act of obedience, and I want to be baptized. So I don't know if uh, Shawnee is around here. Kids Church. Okay, cool. Cool. But yeah, if that's you tonight, I'm going to invite you to, to come forward even now. Be bold. Come forward if you want prayer. But otherwise, we're going to end the service soon and we're going to, to take it from there. So just take a moment, see what God is doing in your heart, in your life. Don't, don't lose this moment right now. I believe God is, has a message for us this evening. Sometimes we need to take bold stands for God. And so whatever it is that God is putting on your heart right now, wherever you are, do business with him. Don't leave this place without having come before the Lord and said, God, I'm going to make that decision, that choice, to love my wife better, 
or to go out and write that letter to that friend or that person that's hurt me or whatever it may be or to even surrender my life to Jesus whatever it is don't miss this opportunity but if anyone wants prayer you can come forward now otherwise we're going to hang around for a little bit afterwards and you're welcome to come to the front Um, there's going to be some people here that can pray with you Yeah, Lord, we, we thank you for your sacrifice that you gave on the cross. And even, even as we go out, Lord, I pray that um, this week as we go out, we will live in each other's homes.